Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to Invo Insider Podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, Ryan Epernon. And with this being episode number two, that means that all the platforms we were waiting to go live on are now live. So you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Anywhere that you listen to a podcast, you can listen to. So Let's go. Like I said, I'm Ryan Heffernan. I'm your host, joined by my co-host and limbo extraordinaire, Jake Martin. <laughs> how are you doing, Jake? I'm good. <clears throat> I didn't see that one coming, but uh, that's actually how I entered the room. I limboed under the table. But yeah. uh, uh, I guess I should say is uh, real talk that everyone knows that I am the worst at limbo, yeah, and I, I have really not great uh, flexibility, which is why I refuse to enter any limbo contests yeah. in the office or out of the office. Yeah, I, I learned that this morning. You got to be careful what you say around me, especially whenever we're going to go live on a podcast. Thanks, so Ryan. That's stuck in the head. But thank you. Uh, at this time of recording, this is an important, important thing, the most important thing maybe today. At the time of recording, it is Championship Week here in Missouri. Oh yeah. So at my personal homes. Let's go. Uh, this week. By the time our listeners hear this, Jake and I will either be very happy or very sad <laughs> with the Chiefs either losing to Joe Burrow once again or going to a third Super Bowl. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we're going to be happy. But we have an awesome podcast in store for you today. Absolutely. Featuring an amazing one-on-one insider interview with Brian Gentle of Insider Credit Union. But I want to start off uh, this this uh, podcast with a new segment I'm going to call the Invo Monthly. And during the Invo Monthly our goal is to give our listeners kind of an inside look at what goes on behind the scenes uh, and what we're pushing forward towards. So this month, Jake, I want to just kind of focus in on the concept you've really been driving home uh, to the end of the game and I think is great for our listeners to hear that is the concept of good. And our listeners are surely confused at this point. So we just take a few minutes and explain what I mean by good. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, hopefully this will resonate with some insiders today as you're listening to this or watching this. Um, you know, the idea of good is simple as it is. It, it's really a mindset um, or a mantra. And that's kind of how we're going to embody it within the company at Envo this year in 2023 is having a perspective and a mindset of good. And for me, it actually came out of um, something that was a, a book that I read um, over the last couple of years, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jocko Willink, which actually came up on last yeah, month's yeah. podcast. Shout out to January episode. Come on now. Uh, if you were there to hear uh, Harris sit down with uh, Brett Hollenbeck of Tower Community Bank, we, we talked about Jocko. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed about him is his positivity um, as a Navy SEAL and as a trainer in, in, the, in the Navy SEAL program was an attitude of good in a place where a lot of times not a lot of good happens. So mm. to have a, a vision or a perspective of good is as simple as no matter what happens, that your response is, well, good. Yeah. So you yeah. think about something you've been working on, a project that you're, you've been working on for weeks, all of a sudden it literally falls apart or that project is no longer on the slate, well, good. Yeah. Maybe I could have done a better job. Or maybe mm. I should be focusing on something else. I didn't close the deal. Yeah. Good. Maybe that wasn't a customer you were supposed to have. Or maybe you need to go back and rework your value proposition. Like, why did that yeah, not yeah. come to fruition? Um, hey, that lunch meeting was canceled on Friday. Good. My doctor told me I didn't need cheese and I didn't need fries anyway. So- I was going to say, that's a, that's a stress reliever. Anytime a meeting comes off the books, you know. It feels good. But so it's a mindset of how do you approach situations, positive or negative? And really, we're talking about negative, but there's an opportunity 
to come out of that situation, um, the negative situation, the outcome you didn't expect, the the arrival at the end game that wasn't what you'd hoped for with an attitude of good. And it's always about finding that good and kind yeah. of flexing that muscle a little bit of just like an exercise, right? The more you do that, the more it becomes first firsthand instead of second nature and really trying to drive that home within the company. So we're um, going to be doing some fun things about that. Yeah. And I know that this is a this is a concept that it's really good for internal sort of team building. You know, it's a good like I said, it's a, it's a positive thing. Like you were saying, I think even whenever you you encounter at any point just in your work life uh, something a failure, maybe what we can see as a failure, you know, sort of pick yourself up off the mat, sort of moving on from that. It's a very good like internal like team building. But for for banks and credit unions, right? That's our that's our audience. Uh, how do you think that that sort of concept translates to? You know their everyday work life. How does it? How does that translate to you know helping the customer, the, the customer and the member that they're serving? Yeah, yeah, and this is a difficult one, right? Because it's really about ripping the bandaid off and analyzing situations where the outcome was definitely negative. So you think about. Um, I had a conversation with a client recently who was in the midst of construction projects, and and a branch was about three months behind. And I was like, well, that's good. You're going to have time to get more advertising out yeah. about it. You're going to have time to make sure the polish is on the furniture. You're going to make sure your staff is trained. And they sit there and they're like, yeah, those are actually things we were behind on. I'm like, yeah. well, there's a, there's a way to look at that differently. You Maybe you've had a customer for a long time and they leave you. Yeah. Good. Not doesn't feel good, right? But the yeah. good of that is why did they leave? Analyze yeah. that. What's the fallout? What were you not doing to serve that customer? Or, or where was the, the shortcoming that, that was created or arrived that, that made them leave? Analyze that situation. And um, aggravated customers are a great place to find resolution, but also to find ways to improve processes. So yeah. I'm a firm believer, and you'll, you'll hear more about this today in the conversation with Brian, but getting into the weeds of customer service is going to have a lot of negative outcomes at different times. And if you can have that perspective of good, then you're going to find a way to course correct and make things better tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's so valuable, just not even just for banks or credit unions, but just anybody in a professional environment, you know, it, there, we're going to encounter some sort of failure in career. We're going to we're encounter difficult things that we have to, that we have to deal with difficult circumstances. But I think it's such a waste if we don't learn from them, we don't take something from them. I think this really embodies that. So, and I also just, just, and I know it's, it's championship week. We're talking about the chiefs some more, but I can't help but think this is just Patrick Mahomes mantra. Cause every time he goes down double digits, you know, yeah. he seems to get better. I sprained so, my ankle. Good. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, maybe this, maybe kind of started with him, but no, that's awesome. Uh, well, without further delay, obviously we're here uh, to talk to Brian. That's, that's what so many of you tune in to listen to. And I think it's, it's an awesome conversation. I'm really, really excited has to say and just to give some, maybe some background this month jay he sits down for this one-on-one -on -one conversation with brian jim so i already mentioned his name but he's the, the chief information officer in and so with that we're going to jump right in to this interview all right welcome to my favorite segment of the podcast and this is an opportunity where we get to sit down with a subject matter expert and today we are blessed to have brian gentle chief information officer from infuse credit union with us today uh, fun fact i have had the pleasure of knowing brian for over 10 years um, those might be 10 years he would like to forget but i'm not going to let him forget that uh, cool thing about brian though is he's bringing a perspective 
uh, as an IT professional to this. And that's where his undergrad experience was, his master's degree as well. Um, taking that experience and education into the financial vertical is something I really want to jump into today. Uh, but you want to hear it from him and not from me. So I'm going I'm to hand it over here. Brian, welcome to the podcast. How did Jake? How you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I uh, was going to say that when we started off here right away, I've got a very boring background compared to the uh, Brian General Studios that you're coming in from today. It looks incredible. I think you've even got a gaming chair. You're built for speed today. I do. This is my home office where I like to hang out a lot, both during work and after work. So I like to yeah. have it look nice. It looks incredible. Yeah. Listen, man, I really appreciate you joining us. What I would like to do just to get started is – give you an opportunity to tell your story and what that means from my perspective is let the insiders that are here today know a little bit more about you individually and and I'll let you get as far into the weeds on that as you would as you would like when we kind of dive into some more things industry specific but share your background share a little bit about where you've come from your time in this in the credit union space how you arrived there I really just want to open this up for conversation and, and let you tell your story to the audience Sure. So, um, like I said, I'm, my name's Brian Gentle. I'm the CIO for Infuse Credit Union. I've been here with uh, Infuse, formerly Mid-Missouri Credit Union, for uh, going on 12 years this March. The, uh, I've served most, all, my entire time has served in some form or fashion in the IT side. Uh, I started out as an IT support tech, uh, brought on to kind of redesign the website and do some be their first dedicated IT person. And since then, I've had the privilege to work with several different really awesome people and all sorts of different vendors. And I've grown from being just an IT support tech who really thought this was just a stepping stone to something bigger and better to realizing that the credit union industry is actually pretty cool. So the, the things that we get to do to help so many people, you know, we, we serve over 30,000 members at Infuse and it's mostly military in central Missouri, um, low to moderate income or just serving you know your average everyday American um, uh, just good people good hard-working folks so um, we get to do lots of things to help people that you know a lot of people won't necessarily uh, do like uh, different types of mortgages and different things where you know it's just nice to see the difference we can make in people's lives so what started out is just a, I'll work here until I can get my job working somewhere cooler, bigger, better. You know, it's turned into some, a real career that I've come to enjoy in, uh, quite a bit. Um, and now I've grown from just me in the department to, I think there's a total of five now, um, including mm -hmm. our first full-time developer and um, a phenomenal awesome. VP of IT. So um, that it's it's been fun. And then... Recently, I also got the privilege to have taken on the uh, both the facilities for the credit union, so managing our seven locations, and more interestingly, the marketing department. So, kind of changing up my perspective on things. You know, you get that IT security hat fighting with the marketing hat sometimes, but I get exposed to a whole new side of the credit union that I've dabbled in before, but never been responsible for before. So, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, um, wow. That's, there's a lot of directions I'd like to go there. Um, and so we've got six hours for this podcast, so we're going to go in every direction. Does that sound about right, Ryan? 
looking over here at my my production, my my producer, making sure we're we're good on time. So I want to know, you know, the question for me is, you could go so many different directions with that degree, Brian. So just a real quick moment of real talk, credit union space. Like how how did you decide initially? going back in time that I want to jump into the financial space, the credit union space looks like, and you, you referenced that as possibly at the time, it could have been just a stepping stone, but what was the opportunity that was in front of you that made you decide to go ahead and make that leap? So when I was working on my undergrad, I worked at the dining facilities on Fort Leonard Wood. If you're familiar with Fort yeah. Leonard Wood, it's a military training place for basic training, AIT, and and the building I worked in the most was for the brand new troops coming right in, uh, long hair when they come in for breakfast, short hair when they leave, uh, come back for lunch. <laughs> and so I worked 4 a.m. to noon. And then I would work, I did college at night because uh, one of my goals was to graduate with no uh, college debt. So I worked awesome. early morning and I did night school. And the uh, one of my professors at night school was friends with uh, somebody who was on the board uh, of directors for Mid-Missouri Credit Union, and they came to him and asked him, hey, who do you recommend for an IT person that can come in and do the website? They knew that he taught web design and stuff, so he recommended me, um, and he actually worked for the military in the, the DOD side and doing uh, IT for all of Fort Leonard Wood, and I, that was really the kind of the goal for me is I'll go make okay. what I thought would be um, a better career working there and then I just kind of got in and I got to do, I don't do the same thing every day. I do different sure. projects. We're rolling out video banking. We're rolling out a new website. We're looking at a building. It's just constantly something different and a challenge. And I've come to enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it absolutely has turned into exactly what you just described, which is probably a three-page long description of your job. But uh, we'll get into that as well. Um you know, I, I think back to when you and I first met, and uh, we'll, we'll just kind of start to go down that road, but, you know, what impressed me was, you know, and I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be gentle here, um, not a, using your last name as a pun, but um, when it comes to IT, 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 I usually find most individuals, number one, are way in another stratosphere than I am from a knowledge-based standpoint but that they're very technical but can't see really outside of that or they're challenged by seeing outside that's probably a better way to put that but whenever we met it was at that date in time about how to even update the branch facilities that you had you're looking at interactive teller machines at that time you're looking at a bunch of different tech which in my opinion was rooted in your your vision of customer service and i think that that's what i've seen to be a huge differentiator from you is you're bringing this technical it background but then having this filter of being in um a, an industry specifically in a role where you can impact the ability to serve um and you even referenced that a few few times there in your opening talk to me a little bit about that why do you think that you as an individual have a passion for, for servicing the members of Infuse and, and before that at Missouri, but just in general in this industry, like where, where does that passion come from? I think it's just, you know, seeing, I've always looked at, well, more recently, I've taken more of an interest in it, but looking at the, the credit union as my business, you know, in the credit union world, you know, if you have a share, you're um, a member owner, um, so at some point I adopted this view of this is my business. I want to grow my business and I see yeah. our members that come in and I just, you know, it's 
it's rural Missouri. Uh, we don't live in big towns, so it's a lot of people that we know that you bump into on the street. Um, everybody in the kind of knows Infuse. We're one of the larger credit unions in uh, central Missouri for sure. And mm-hmm. I think right now we're at like the 11th largest in the state or something. So they're, we're big enough in our area, but it's still kind of like a small hometown feel to it where you just see a bunch of people and you, uh, kind of going off on a tangent I just like to help I've always kind of had a servant's heart I want like I'm that guy sure. that wants to stay there late putting up chairs after church or whatever and get there early yeah. to make sure that stuff's being done working in the media booth for this out of the other so I've always wanted to help people and when I could see yeah. that the the impact that I could have in this role uh, probably my first big big project I did at the credit union was rolling out um, a new online banking platform um, Jack Henry's old product, MCW, is going away. And they're like, hey, Brian, little working on your undergrad um, guy, what are we going to do for online banking? And I'm like, good Lord, you're going to trust me with that? Um, so <laughs> I wrote, uh, let's see, that was, no, I think I had my graduates done by then, or my undergrad, but and I was working on my graduates. But I, so I started research and I just started looking into all these different things and, you know, comparing the different platforms, what uh, Q2 can do better than uh, Jack Henry or Bano or you you name it. There's a hundred different platforms out there that all have their pros and cons. And and it exposed me from, we're going from MCW, which had, I'm sure at the time it came out, it was revolutionary, but that was free my time in banking. And the (laughs) seeing what the new platforms could do, and you start to see the technology and when we roll it out and you're like, wow, we can do this, 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 and this. And, um, at the time we had a, our CEO's, uh, was named was Johnny O'Hare. Uh, he mm-hmm. kind of had this vision of in 2020, what are our members going to want to do? We need to do that now. So, and that was probably back in 2014, 2013. That's good. So that, kind of looking that route and saying, what can we do to help members? What are they going to expect us to do to help them five, six, seven years in the future? So, that gets me to, you know, the excitement of looking into the future, playing with technology, playing with what's the cool things that we can do, but yeah. also just that root of the members first for us. The member always comes first for us. We have to, we are only here because they pay for us to be here. I mean, it, it's just the, they need our help and we need them so that we can have a job and a career and, <laughs> and have this fun opportunity. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I think the phrase that you you threw out there really early on in your answer, which was having a servant's heart, really just checks the box for all of those things. And that's a really good vision just to have in general, regardless of what you're doing. Like you, you gave several examples, whether it was in your capacity and different wearing different hats at the credit union, whether it was serving at church, whether it was being involved in your community. I mean, having a servant's heart is, in my opinion, one of the things that we should all strive to do. And, and, and then, of course, you, you filled that behind that with all your passion for the reasons why, which, which is great. I know everybody enjoyed hearing that. I know I did. Let's go back to that time period you talked about. You threw out the date of 2014, um, which aligns to one of the questions I wanted to ask you today. Uh, the last 10 years, in my opinion, has dramatically changed in the financial space really more than the 90 years that preceded it. I mean, we're very much in an industry that has not changed. It hasn't evolved, and it hasn't had to, right? I mean, the products and services today are still pretty much the same that they've been the entire time that this industry has been available to serve customers from 
um, from a banking standpoint, i.e. just the definition of banking, but the manner in which we interact with our financial institution and the products and services, whether it's digital banking or core or video banking or whatever, has significantly changed, at least from my opinion, in the last 10 years. What do you think you've seen be the most dramatic in the last 10, though? Get into some of the details of what you thought, man, I can't believe how much this has changed or that's changed, or does anything individual jump out to you from that? I kind of like to hear your perspectives from the front line. Yeah, so to me, I hear the, the my, my CEO, my EVP, the CEO, they, they've been in banking for um, a long time, 20 plus years, and and they talk back to the days of uh, when people are saying checks are going to go away or branches are going to go away. And we've seen that that hasn't happened. Um, but I think what has been the most impactful is our online banking, really, just digital first, mobile first approach at things. Um, if our members use our branches a lot still, even through COVID, our numbers didn't go down. Uh, the we have a branch in Lebanon specific. It's a very more blue collar town. They build all the like, tracker boats and, and they do a lot of mm-hmm. cool stuff there. And members came in and out every day and they do a lot of transactions. But the when you look at all those transactions between all branches and you combine them all up, it's doing almost as much transactions as our online banking does per month. So our digital platform wow. really, it's, it's a super important piece to it. You know, allowing members to bank how they want to bank, even though it's increased risk for the financial sector. You know, we have all these regulations saying how we can how we can provide the services that we provide, and and can you charge a fee for that, and what's the cap for this? And by the way, any fraud that happens, it's coming out of your pocket, not the uh, anybody else's. So, yeah, we, it's this struggle of maintaining the minimum uh, loan rates the minimum fees and providing the maximum number of everything else. And really it's a real slim margins game that we all play, but the, that providing the services where the members want it is to me the biggest focus of do they want digital banking? Great. Let's find out how we can do it securely or as secure as we can so that the, they can be helped. ITMs, you know, when we rolled that out, it was, even before COVID, we started the focus on how can we get remote 24-7 if we have to. So uh, when I went out and saw Jack Henry's uh, call center, and I remember being so impressed that every single person had a laptop that they took home every day so that if the building burnt down, they could keep the call center going the next day. Uh, sure. So starting to move towards that approach and still yeah. back to member first of when it snowed yesterday morning and we had to open late. Well, the, the ITMs were open at, on time because why not? We can be ready. We can serve members when they need to be served. Same with the, the video banking or video chat is what we're kind of calling it. The mm-hmm. um, Highlighting that, like, hey, right now, you want to talk to somebody, you want to talk face-to-face, we can do it through there. So just meeting members where, where they want to be met is kind of uh, the biggest thing. Where It's not you're going to come to us, you're going to do banking how we are going to offer it, it's too competitive of an industry for that. We can't just sit around and wait until we're irrelevant and all of our members leave. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a long answer to your question. But No, it's a great answer. And you, I think you reiterated one of the things that I would say I've learned um, it myself, just kind of being honest here in the last two years is 
we have seen a significant shift and I've and I've started to ask different questions and ask better questions to people we're potentially going to partner with 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 our platform at, at Envo and that's you know we've got all these great things at least you know selfishly I think we've got all these great resources but you know what not all of them work for everybody and that's because you can't deploy the same strategy at every single financial institution in every single market and geography in the United States I mean the cities are different than rural Different pockets are different depending on the on what the working class is in those areas, and some of those circumstances are very much. Hey, you better be listening to what your customer is going to do and what they want because there's a lot of other options that they can leverage, right? And so, to the point that you made, which is listen to what the member is saying, be where they want you to be, be available, you know, when and how they want you to be, and, and don't just impose your will for back of lack of better words in the industry which we've seen a lot do right and i i don't want to i'm not going to knock the the large you know bank and credit union institutions in the united states because they do a lot of great things for a lot of good people but there's a there's a lot of imposing will i think that happens and and that's a statement actually i i got from a recent conversation i, I had with the president and ceo of a, of a community bank but he was like you know if you impose your will on your customers guess what? They've got choice and opinion. They'll go somewhere else. So let's dive in a little bit further there. So you think about the markets that you serve across your seven locations and then your digital branch. We always refer to your, your, your website, your mobile platform as your digital branch. What? How did you start to identify exactly how your members wanted to engage your institution? Like what level of digital made sense? What tools or resources made sense? How did the ITMs come to fruition early on. And you guys were one of the very first credit unions to deploy at a scale in the state of Missouri outside of metropolitan Kansas City or St. Louis in an area that was at the time a great story to tell and still is today. But what is the process that infused and what process do you follow to listen to the membership banks to make sure that you guys are catering to what their needs are? I think the biggest thing for me to do for that is one, just talking with people, talking with our members outside of the credit union. Some people, you know, especially depending on the department they work in, they don't necessarily want to go out and be like, hey, uh, I work at the credit union. What do you think? Um, but I get, uh, usually my interactions are more positive with members so I can, you know, just talk with them outside, see what they think is cool. But I always kind of look at things as a brand new member. If I was looking at the credit union, what do I want? And I'm more technical, so I'd probably put more of a technical um, approach to things than most members actually want. Like, I thought dig digital wallets would be the demand for everybody. But mm. numbers across the industry don't necessarily reflect that. It's, it's still a growing thing. But uh, a lot of it's just talking with members. But more than that, I'd say it's talking with the branches. I've always tried to make an effort to develop a friendship or relationship with the branch managers and uh, a couple of the key staff around the the company that deal with members in and out every day. And they hear the members, they talk to the members every single day. They get the positive and the negative and we can kind of see what they are hearing the members want of, oh, did you know Major Bank this does that? Why don't you? Well, yeah. and some of it, it turns out we do. They just, yeah. we've never done a, we focused on different things for at media and advertising that members don't know. Um, one of my shortcomings is I kind of roll out this project that I'm like, oh, sweet, this is great. Members are going to love this. The employees are going to love it. And then I don't do a great job of um, 
educating and training and rolling it out all the way. I just kind of set it down and uh, move on. Uh, or, yeah. I don't know, it's completely fair. But the we haven't always done a great job of educating the members of these awesome services that we provide. So that's one step that um, I've tried to work on improving. But it's just step, taking a step back and listening to the people that talk with the members the most and listening to the members I think it's been the most helpful for figuring out where that technology needs to go. And some of that, you know, members weren't asking for ITMs. Um, we, that was our step, take a step back. And one, we had a problem to solve of, we needed the, we had a location where we couldn't do a, a drive up, traditional drive up. Yep. And we didn't want to do a big tube system and rip out the parking sure. lot. So we did a, um, the ITM was kind of our first, well, that's a feasible option. And, you know, when we started looking at it more as just this uh, kind of band-aid to a problem we had, we realized that this solution can serve in a much broader uh, capacity, and especially when you look at doing um, business continuity uh, and staying open when uh, even in ice and snow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, I think back when when you guys started looking at ITMs and deploying, or not deploying, but exploring strategies and usages, and and I actually forgot that that was the 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 initial process was because of the island situation. How do we solve for drive up? And you know that whether that was intentional or like you said, it was a band aid to to the situation. That to this point, in my opinion, from what I've seen nationally, has still continued to be the best strategy. Is the the drive up strategy replacing the pneumatic tubes? I always joke there's no worse experience at my financial institution than having to deal with the pneumatic tube. <laughs> I feel like I'm still doing the same thing I watched my grandparents do back in the '80s when I would ride to them, you know, go to go with the, go with my grandma to the bank on Friday. Right, was sit at that pneumatic tube and sound like a rocket was taken off. I'm like, we literally still have that same t- same technology out there today. There's a better way to do it. Um, what and you're being hard on yourself. So, uh, but I, I I love the the fact that you humble yourself because I think that you guys did a fantastic job of deploying that tech specifically, and then the the listening after the fact is the most important thing, and at least that's what I believe. The most important thing is listening to what the members are saying after you've done X, whether whatever that is, right? If you, you change the way the lobby is laid out, what do your members think about it, right? If you remove pneumatic tubes or you deploy ITMs, what are the members saying? Um, I think that's the most important thing. So I, I just want to kind of give you some praise there. You're being pretty hard on yourself, but I think that we're, we're all striving to be better for sure, right? Um, but I think that the, the listening intentionally after the fact is the most important part of that equation. Um, so let's, let's go back in time to that ITM deployment. And you think about that first step of committing to the tech, deploying the technology, getting buy-in internally as well, sometimes is a challenge or an issue. And I mean, even throwing that out there, probably you start to maybe resurface some memories of what, of what that was like to get that buy-in. But what what was the response initially, if you can recall this, um, internally from the team supporting it, and then externally some of the initial things you heard from your members? And then my second part of that question would be, obviously it's positive because you, you went on into phase two and you pushed on any, even further than that. But kind of walk us through that initial thought of deploying a very revolutionary technology at that time. So I think that 
it starts with the rolling out with proper training and education for the members and coming up with some marketing programs to kind of push the product. You know, we looked at our yeah. community and it's, it's interesting how broad our membership base is for being in rural Missouri. You might think that, Oh, well, everybody's kind of the same, but we go from a blue collar town in Lebanon where it's just a bunch of really hardworking folks and you go to Rolla and it's more um, of a, a healthcare and educational type community with different levels of technical aptitude or uh, more likeliness to uh, adopt and then a military community in the middle and a retirement community up north. So it's, it's all over the place really. But we knew that one of the first things we would hear is I don't want somebody talking to us from India or I don't want somebody talking to us from somewhere else. You know, keeping things local in Missouri is important to us. Um, the so we did a good job or we tried to do a good job at highlighting we're here the people you're talking to they're in that building right there they're on the second floor and you know that you'll see them all the time um we did a little bit of a marketing campaign to kind of incent the use at first um it's just set a a modest budget and said you know just come try it we'll give you five dollars just for trying it um, yeah, and it didn't cost a ton, but it got the word out, and people used it, and they realized this really wasn't that bad. Yeah, um, and eventually they're like, "Yeah, this is good." So the it takes some time to adopt. Just like you know, look at the uh, look at any big box store that's deployed self checkout. At first, most <laughs> people are like, "I'm not doing that. You're not. I'm not. You're not paying me to check myself out. So why would I do it?" And, yeah do you want to talk to somebody or you just want to go check yourself out? Like uh, sometimes, you know, you have to be so positive all day and you just want to go home and I just want to go get it done and move on. So, you know, the the PTMs or the, we call them PTMs. We started that process. I really wish we would have just called them ITMs from day one, like the rest of the world, but um, personal teller machines. Is that what you refer to it as? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it had to yep. be special, you know. It couldn't just be yeah. interactive. You're not no. alone. I think that's the route that yeah. most took when they deployed. I mean, we've got all kinds of different terminology. There's a community bank down in the Springfield, Missouri area that calls them Todd. So they're all called Todd's, and they're no. teller on demand. So I think that that, no. that, that makes it unique because that's that's in, no. infuses brand, right? That's kind of what the thought process no. was there. But yeah, want to keep it ahead. personal. So. Yeah. And that's kind of what we built the campaign around is, you know, it's our people. We're here. We're no something we've always made crystal clear to employees. I think anytime you roll out some new technology where it's like, Oh, we're going to be able to service all of our drive through locations with half the staff. The, mm. you know, the first fear is, Oh, they're just going to lay us off. They're going to fire us. They're going to do something. Yeah. And we've always made, and our board has always backed us on this of nobody has ever been laid off because of any new technology that's been rolled out. Uh, right. The, we shift and we try to grow into any uh, extra staff that we might have. So we'll find a special project for people to do, but building that trust with our employees that they know that we're not going to roll out some new automation and cut jobs. Um, we're just going to make it easier to where they can focus on the members that are walking into the branch uh, instead of having to try to handle the people that are standing in front of them as well as the people in the drive through. Um, so that was one of the fears that people had that we had to alleviate, but, uh, we, it's, it took a while, but, and now it's kind of like that with every new product we roll out of, this isn't replacing anybody. We're just yeah. enhancing. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it aligns to one of the things you you've shared with me, um, and I've heard you say it over the years. But you know, before this, I was kind of asking you what what are some of the things you were wanting to talk about or think about, and um, it's that digital first approach to member service, right? And that bleeds into well, today it literally bleeds into every single area of the credit union, um, from the physical and the branch and the technology that's available there up at the drive through offsite or even online in, um, or the, the branch in your pocket, right, in the mobile device, what, what is it that continues to help kind of guide the direction for you and your capacity as CIO and then also infuse of choosing the right digital first strategies? Because that's a lot of times you're not trying to, you know, you are trying to revolutionize, but maybe evolve or just positively impact products or services that already exist. So how do we leverage digital to enhance that and not detract from that? Kind of share your, your mantra there, your thoughts, if you would. That one's kind of hard. Um, cause <laughs> I'm a nerd, so I'll see some new technology. I'm like, we got to do that. That's cool. You sure. get a nice yeah. sales demo and you're like, let's do it tomorrow. Um, it doesn't yeah. matter that there's a thousand projects lined up that, um, that if you add another project, that just means you're doing other projects worse and that project's not going to be rolled out properly either. <laughs> and, um, but I don't really know. It's just, it's one of those that I kind of try to take a step back. I usually ask the, the front line. Um, I've kind of barged my way into a lot of the branch manager type relationships. Uh, I've always worked really close with our COO uh, who's over them. And she... So I'll invite myself to their lunches and, and just kind of listen. And they'll be like, hey, slow down. Like, stop giving us new technology. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Um, some of them are older. And I was like, oh, it's just older folks they don't like. But then half of them or more at the table are my age or younger now. And they're like, you got to slow down. So that's part of it. We try not to overwhelm with new stuff. So I try to balance, you know, automate um, – automation and improving internal processes or overall experience without just this massive new technology changes uh, yeah. along with identifying those technology pieces that I think people will be asking for in the future. Uh, but as far as tempering and trying to figure out what those are, I, I don't, I wish I knew how to do that better, honestly, because uh, it's you go to the, the, the conferences and you see the technology and, and you could go to pretty much every booth that's at a, any tech expo and be like, that's cool. Our members, mm. there's a portion of our members that would find that really awesome. But when it sure. comes down to it, we have a finite budget. We, we don't have this bottomless, uh, amount of cash waiting to be spent on cool technology. So it's just trying to find what's going to give the most impact what's going to be yeah. the most desired new feature or what's going to reduce risk, reduce charge off, reduce um, fraud that our members are facing every day. Um, yeah. No, I think that's good. And I, I, I would say, I, I mean, I would affirm and encourage you you're doing the right things because you need to be evaluating what's out there, right? And that's that's what's expected of someone in your seat, in my opinion, is that you are going to these events, conventions, and conferences and um, innovation seminars so that you can see what the latest and the greatest is. But then you're vetting out, hey, what makes the best and most sense 
for Infuse Credit Union and our members, and you're using those filters that you've always used, right, which is listening, which we've already talked about, and, and then being intentional to bring the right tools and resources to enhance those experiences. And, you know, sometimes that means, you know, I don't want to say taking risk, but maybe taking calculated risks, right? I mean, being on the bleeding edge or the cutting edge is – is what it was about at one point to deploy cash recyclers, which sounds ridiculous. But you think about when it was talking about, you know, automating the teller drawer, um, and then the cash recycler was revolutionary. Nobody's going to want to work out of that, right, or see money come out of that. Nobody's going to trust that machine. I mean, it's – but, you know, that's that was a stepping stone to the ITMs, which was, in my opinion, the real start of the wave of bringing in revolution to the way that an institution interacts with the membership base – because then it was able to prove out, hey, we can conduct remote interactions and transactions. And then that parlayed into what I believe was a significant mass adoption out of the result of the pandemic with, with being forced into that or, or trying new things, right? So I think you're – I want to just encourage you to do the right things. I think that's what you're supposed to do in your capacity. And um, someone who has that vision that you have to push – is what also keeps this industry moving forward. And I think we both could admit the financial vertical itself typically is a little bit behind what we see in commercial and retail, right? So just a little bit. That's okay because we could also watch their failures and not repeat those no. things, right? Yeah. No. Um, you talk about your involvement in other areas of the credit union. So I want to I spend some, some time kind of digging in there because that's unique. I don't – I don't know a lot of CIOs that have they have visibility into what's happening at branch. They have visibility of what's happening in marketing and advertising, but they don't necessarily have their hands in that. So, what what have you been able to see? Let's start with the physical and in the branch. You know, being involved in that area. What have you seen that has changed? What have, what have you seen that's changed even before or after even COVID? Uh, but at Infuse specifically, what are you guys doing different in the branch that maybe others are not doing um, or that you're doing today to, to kind of push this, this service forward that you keep talking about, member service? The It's kind of a lot of things. Training was one of our biggest things. Uh, okay. And to me, uh, my perspective on a lot of the business, I, five years ago, I thought I understood the business through and through, and, and I was ready to take over and run the place and then um, I got to join our executive team shortly after with our current CEO um, get exposed to really the whole business seeing the lending side seeing the collections or the um, the member service the accounting and finance the training HR the whole perspective um, mm. so getting to understand a lot of that and see where um there's impact that I never realized uh, like with member delinquency or charge off or some, a lot of the time it's not members that they're, they're not coming in to take advantage of us. They get taken advantage of by other people or they, yeah. they just need help. So, you know, checks looking into the, the physical branch and really into the digital branches. I ask, I, I try to say anything we can do in branch in person. I'd like to be able to do, um, online in our digital branch yeah but love that. adding in stuff like check scanning at the teller line so our, our, our legacy process uh, I think a lot of financial institutions are still doing is you get all your checks at the end of the day and you scan them all in you send them off to your item processor and 
and you hope they work or you hope you put your holds on correct. So <laughs> adding in products that scan the checks at the top point of present, uh, presentation to make sure that w- what's the likelihood that this check is good. You know, if, if there's yeah. accounts that are being hit constantly, it's in a system somewhere. You just have to find the right partner to help you identify those. So trying to take a step back and provide the branches, the tools they need to feel confident about what they're doing. And then when they have that, then they feel more confident to serve the members, whether that's through the cash recyclers or through the uh, fraud scanning on the checks or instant issue debit cards. We're very close. Um, we have two branches working. The others we're working through something right now, but instant issue credit cards as well, I think will be the first mm, yeah. in our area that's done gone that to that step. Um, but just those are kind of the, the probably the biggest impact things I would say is um, and some of it's even just silly little things like coin machines members love coin and they, they come in with these massive buckets and they'll be able to help them there so that's one where I was like oh this is a this is an expense why do we have this but you see the members coming in day in and day out you know we have all sorts of things that are just kind of expenses are there to serve the member Coin Machine is just another one of those that a certain portion love them. And we've gained some accounts from just by having free Coin Machines. So I don't know if that completely answers yeah. the question. But that's what we kind of do in branch to help members and to help our, our our tellers and our staff serve the members better. Yeah, man, Coin Machines. That doesn't get much more of a filthy piece of equipment in the, in the branch, does that? That's <laughs> constant maintenance issues. But oh, man, having a good partner sure. is there helps. Yeah, absolutely it does. No, I think that's good. So, all right, well that that really, I mean, I think is indicative of what you guys are doing at Infuse is that you're plugged in, you're listening, you're looking for ways to, again, I mean, everything you've said aligns to what you shared at the very beginning of this conversation, which is that member-first approach, right? So being focused on the member and, and having that servant heart. So let's talk about the other hat that you wear, which is the marketing and and advertising, marketing and technology and combining those things. Such a unique hat to wear in your role. How how did that even come to pass? How did that fall underneath your umbrella? The when you look at marketing expense 20 years ago, I think most uh, my CEO, he was a marketing guy before this. Um, he, okay. he, that was his hat at our credit union and his hat at every credit union and bank he's worked for previous. Um, and he always said his top two budget items were, uh, yellow pages and newspapers. Well, I don't <laughs> think I've spent a dime in yellow pages in a long time. And we do some local. Do those even still exist? Support local. Are those uh, even still around? I saw on some movie the other day and I was like, <laughs> where'd you get those? Like, that's a prop. That's not a... <laughs> It's so, a prop. <laughs> yeah. But the, so that was kind of what he spent his budget on a lot back in the day. And he's had a successful career in marketing. Um, now you look at where does marketing budget go? It's technology. It's uh, Google yeah. ads. It's Facebook. It's yeah. uh, different targeted banking type platforms of, you know, trying to provide that member that goes back to that member first experience. Jake might not be looking to buy his first car. He might be looking to get a, an IRA looking towards the retirement or something. So it's just different. There's technological providers that help us with that, that, you know, a lot of marketing people, they, they can't 
bridge that translation of when you're talking to a, a vendor and you're talking to a wonderful salesperson who can really pitch it perfect and they know their product inside and out and mm-hmm. but they don't they're they're probably talking at a higher level than uh, at least in my experience most marketing people could understand so my CEO took a step back and he said you know he couldn't keep running the marketing department as a CEO and do what he needed to do as the CEO. It's not just sales. He needs to grow the organization and kind of provide that leadership there. So the, he's like, he looked at the technology we're using and the technology we're wanting to get into to use. And, uh, he thought that I would be a a good fit and I'm always for taking another challenge. Um, there's plenty of times throughout the last two years or so that I've had the department that I wish I would have told them, no, thank you. But, uh, (laughs) It, it's been a challenge, especially compliance. It's horrible. And just, you know, having to find those right words, even though we're not trying to be deceptive in ads, so you have to have all the right yeah. uh, disclosures, uh, disclaimers, and disclosures. And sure. uh, I don't know how many conversations I had with our compliance officer where they're like, you have to include this. And I'm like, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't look good. It doesn't sound yeah. good. Yeah. So that's been kind of the, the least fun side, but uh, the team I have now is great. I've got, uh, three or four that really I just kind of sit back and look good when they do good stuff. So that's, I'd probably, I try to provide that bridge between the executive vision for the organization, what the, uh, our CLO is needing to do for loans or what our finance guys want to do for saving money. Um, and then what our, uh, or for growing deposits or whatever sure. it is. And, and that's kind of, I think where I've provided some, uh, value to that and then understanding the technology side so that I can help them deploy better products and better serve and target our members in a a positive way, not just blasting out and giving them the same stuff because that's the easy way. But that's kind of how it ended up with me. I've enjoyed the challenge. It has been a bit of a challenge because there is that, you know, IT security hat saying that, well, um, you can't do that because the marketing guy's like, ooh, what if we use this bit of information and, and we sent this over and that's going to, I don't know, I, I can't think of any ex- examples off the top of my head, but there's just, uh, sometimes those hats fight. But it's good mm-hmm. that I can be the one there to tell the, the marketing hat, no, you can't do that because it's, <laughs> it's not secure or you're overwhelming right. the, the IT department or whatever. Yeah. I think you've also probably been successful in that transition and assuming that responsibility because you had a really good mentor in that. I mean, be able to sit underneath uh, your president and CEO who had that experience and has that expertise, um, there's no better mentor than someone you can work with directly. And I think that's probably been helpful for you as well. I'm not going to hold against you the fact you called me old at the at a point in there. I don't think I didn't catch that when you talked about I'd be more interested than an IRA than a car loan. Um, we'll talk about that after the podcast. But I'm not. I'm, I'm hey, I'm getting up there too. <laughs> I used to be the young guy at the work. I was the the 20 year old starting out, and now I'm, you know, getting up there. So. Yeah. Yeah, I like to say I can I can still do pretty much anything I used to. It just takes me three days longer to recover. So that's that's <laughs> usually the the truth of the matter. Um, one of the things that I I wanted to ask you was identifying the solve for challenges in member service today continues, in my opinion, to be harder than ever. And I think that there's challenges that present way faster than they ever used to. I always joke that I'll never forget 
this was probably, and I now I am going to sound old, like 14 or 15 years ago when I was walking into to credit union bank branches really for the first time as a professional and a new perspective of, all right, so let's talk about how you want to rearrange your teller line or we're going to t- or change your traditional teller line to a pod style layout. And then we're going to route the way that your, your members are lining up and like, like that was a challenge. You know, that was the biggest challenge back in the day was how do we how do we find more efficiency with staff at the teller line? How are you identifying those things that you need to solve for now in member service, whether that's physical, whether that's digital, um, identifying tools to put in there? But I feel like problem solving and problem identifying has changed significantly um, in the last several years. And what are your thoughts on that? I feel like over the years we've hit a lot of the low hanging fruit um, and some of it. There's still like a couple branches that we need to finish redoing for um, adding in cash recyclers and whatnot. So some of that's just taking the lessons we've learned at the branches that we've already done it at and applying those lessons to the other branches as time and budget allows. Um, One of our, an example of a problem that we solved last year that we think is is pretty unique for our area at least uh, and pretty exciting is we opened up a branch in Lebanon, so it's our our busiest transaction-wise uh, and loan volume-wise, not loan dollar amount, but they do the, the most loans and they're just slammed every day. You'd walk in and there's a line out the door and it's a huge branch too. So uh, we had this problem of how do we serve these members? We have a small parking lot, a large building, and we have to work with what we have. And we, we looked at adding on more parking, adding on another drive-through lane, and the, the cost was high enough that we said, well, what other solutions can we find? Um, sure. And so we started looking around town and said, do we rebuild? Do we add on somewhere? Do we put a PTM across town with just a canopy over it? Um, what do we do? Uh, we found a lot in a pretty good spot of town. Um, to us, it's, it's a perfect spot. It's right on a, a stoplight and everything. And, um, yeah. And we built a, I think it's six to 700 square foot building, very small, um, large enough for two offices, a bathroom and a a tiny break room, basically. Um, the, we put two PTMs in the drive-through and one inside just in case members come in and branded the building as a drive-through lending center. So we, we pushed doing trying to move traffic from one side of town to another. So you look at where our members lived, you looked at where the members worked, and we tried to find a good spot that would help draw traffic off. So we're serving um, one side of town, but we can also serve another without completely redoing our, our first building. And that one has turned out to be, uh, it's, so far it's looking really promising. It's worked good. quite a bit. Uh, and we had a, a, a different but similar challenge in Rolla a couple years back so we built a, a small branch inside of Walmart that's mm-hmm. probably about the same square footage um, and I went with the same kind of approach of one office a small teller line there we actually have a teller line versus Lebanon we didn't do any teller lines a cashless branch so it's sure. just in the, the PTMs themselves so um, I can't remember what the actual question was I think I went off on a tangent there 
but <laughs> no, the tangent answered the question though and that's you know just being able to solve for those challenges that continue to arise and and using whatever strategies make sense to infuse to solve for them and i mean that's a, that's exactly what you walked out i have yet to visit that micro branch in, in lebanon but i i really want to get a chance to come and see that because i've i've actually heard a few others talk about that so i don't know if you've even realized that but i've had a few other financial institutions that are regionally located that have already heard about what you guys are doing there and um, that means you're doing something right, right? When you get people coming in, I think so. Um, you know, when you think about, and we're kind of drawing here towards the end, and um, I, I can't help but think where the technologies that you have leveraged from the team at Envo um, over the last year has continued to accentuate strategies that you've already implemented. And I do view those as problem solving and innovating. So what does that next chapter look like as you start to gain traction and adoption there? What were your thought process with with adopting some of those tools for info solutions and, and some of the things you're doing there? Yeah, so it's still um, focusing on some of the marketing efforts to kind of put it out there better. Because uh, mm -hmm. our approach to using Envo is different than some of our peers, and I, I respect tremendously how uh, a few credit unions in Springfield specifically have uh, used Envo and how they do it, this video banking as their primary lending platform. For us, we always are, we have a vision of keeping a person in branch everywhere they go, so there's a lending expert everywhere. Um, but it's looking at how can we supplement with video banking? Uh, how can we help those more specialized conversations of mortgage or uh, commercial lending where, you know, you might have somebody can't get off the job site to come in for a meeting, but maybe we sure. can still have that face-to-face that -face interaction um, and provide that service from anywhere. And to me, one of the more beneficial is adding in the ability to schedule, you know, especially everybody's lives seem super busy these days. So yep. to give them the opportunity to say, right here on your schedule grab, grab me that and let's let's talk not just let's have a phone call which that's fine if they want to do that as well but let's at the very least we want them to see us and see that we're here to talk with them and um, that we're still the same person that they've always talked to right here in hometown Waynesville, Missouri so um, but then we're just looking at probably the one, one of the more unique ways that we've used the solution that I didn't picture early on is for fraud deterrence. So okay. we see fraud just constantly on the rise right now uh, through external transfers or through uh, fraudulent loan apps, um, people trying to open up accounts online that aren't who they say they are. Uh, we just had one the other day that got brought to my attention where a member, not a member, somebody applying for a membership um, called in and uh, started to do a loan app. And when we pulled the credit bureau on them, it triggered the, the one of those automated warnings some people get. So the real person called in and said, hi, well, I'm Joe Bob, whatever. And, yeah. and we had both of them on the line at the same time. And we're like, let's do a video call. Um, so I'm going to send you a link or we're going to schedule it for tomorrow morning. Let's let's talk. Um, sure enough, the the fraudulent person didn't decide to actually face us face to face and do the call mm -hmm. so it's been something we we've been able to add in in those spots where we're, we're just not sure that you there's some red flag there's some something let's let's just talk so i'm gonna send you a link we're gonna just hop on a quick video call and sure enough the 
nine times, uh, every time, every situation I've heard for us, they've decided, ah, it's not worth the risk. I'm not giving you my face. I'm not savvy yeah. enough to to do a, a, a video, like a fake video or something. So it's yeah. it's helped deter some fraud and save a somebody that's not even our member, saved him from being defrauded of money and saved us from losing a bunch of cash that never would have been paid for. And so, yeah, just always well, looking great. for what's that problem that this tool can solve. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I don't think that I have heard an example shared where the tech has been used in that capacity, but I love that. What a great story. Uh, and that you've got a workflow established for that. So you, you're, you've seen seen it happen enough that you're like, hey, this would plug in and solve for that issue and that challenge, which I think is going to just continue to help the, the institution um, in the long haul. So speaking of long haul, you know, what's, what's next? What's next for, for Infuse? What are you guys looking at if you're comfortable to share kind of like that pie in the sky? I always say this is the kind of like the, the blue sky part of this conversation. If, if Brian was painting a, a picture for the next five or ten years of Infuse, you know, what might that look like? It's a lot of the same. What do the members want and what yeah. can we, what tools do we need to serve them better? Uh, right now, the, the focus for 2023 is a new lending platform and getting end-to-end um, -end funding through uh, uh, an LOS that members mm -hmm. can get small-dollar loans. We do a lot of small-dollar loans, loans that most people don't want to touch because it's less than 2000 less than 1000 um, Sure. So how can we get those done quicker so it's less overhead but also serving the members yeah. on demand like they kind of expect now? You know, They want to be able to do it while they want to be able to do it, not wait for us to say, okay, go ahead. Um, so it's, that's kind of the big stuff. We're looking at what can we do to quicker serve and better serve members. Um, the LOS is the big one. The, we're always looking for opportunities to grow the organization. Um, we're hoping for some legislative changes that allow us to expand further. Um, but you know, Whenever the government's involved, it'll take forever. But uh, really, the big focuses for us are process improvement um, for now, and looking at the um, trying to figure out what that next thing is for the members. I, I wish I had a better answer for five years from now, like I felt like I did in 2014 when I was looking at technology. Then I feel like we've come such a long ways that it's. And I think we've adopted things a long time ago that a lot of people are looking at adopting now, or they started looking at when COVID hit and they're like, we have to be able to serve people. Um, yeah. So a lot of it is, I think, formalizing processes and improving existing processes of, uh, especially around fraud. I think that's one of going to be one of our biggest opportunities to improve over the next couple years is preventing the fraud before it comes to, um, an issue where the members been they've already lost their money so what tools mm -hmm. can we use to identify those now and not how are we going to try to get our money back afterwards or how are we going to try to make the member whole afterwards right so, yeah no that's good i've got one last question for you okay. this is the big one are the chiefs going to win the super bowl i hope so uh <laughs> Holmes and Kelsey and them, they, they can do it, I think, uh, so long as that ankle sprain doesn't get Holmes too um, immobile. But I sure hope they do. I think they'd put a boot on Mahomes and he would still come out on the field if they'd let him. 
Yeah. He'll do something when you don't expect yeah. it. So, so long as the defensive yeah. line and the defensive team can prevent the other team from scoring too much, we'll be all right. Yeah, I, and I have to apologize to the insiders who have joined us because you've got two Missouri boys on the line, so we're going to have to – we had to talk a little bit of football while we can since it's our moment to shine. So apologies. Actually, no, I take that back. No apologies. No one apologize for that, yeah. for having a good football team. Let's, um, and, let's any more than Brian's going to well. apologize. What's that? Let's hope this ages well because I let's think hope this, this comes out well. next week after the, the <laughs> Burrow and Mahomes face off again. And last few times has gone gonna well, be good. this time we're going to take – we're going to take Bro down. It's all right. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Absolutely. Yeah. Brian, listen, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to leave the insiders with today? Uh, just keep the eye on what matters. Uh, it's sometimes easy to keep our to, – to look too far into the future or just kind of lose focus. So just keep members first, keep your customers first, and keep on keeping on. I love that. Well, that's exactly what you're doing. So uh, keep on keeping on, as you said, with uh, what you're doing at Infuse and in your career. And it's it's fun to see things continue to evolve and to see you continue to evolve in your role. And it's been good to know you all these years. I'm excited about what the next 10 years are going to look like. And with that, Brian, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you for sharing the, the stories of what's got you to this point, as well as some of the insight strategies that you're continuing to execute today and what, and what the future looks like. Um, I was going to also recommend that for any of the insiders here, go connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Go follow Infuse Credit Union. They share a lot about what's going on at their institution there. We'll also put links out to many of the things we've discussed and talked about today in the show notes, as well as include in the case study, which will be going up live on InvoSolutions.com in the near future. So with that, I want to say, Brian, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, same here as well. Great. Have an awesome day. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Welcome back. And what an awesome time with Brian. It's always fun to hear you know, from fellow Missourians, especially the Chiefs are preparing for the Super Bowl and hoping to go to the Super Bowl. So let's go. By the time our listeners hear this, I'm hoping we're prepping for Super Bowl number three. Pat, that's that's obviously the goal. Uh, with that said, it was just an awesome conversation, and I think it was really great to hear specifically of, about Brian's care for the member. And he tossed that phrase at the very beginning of of a servant's heart, and you know it's a phrase that we that we hear often, uh, just associated in general with people. Uh, but I think for financial institutions as a whole, it's so important that that's their mindset as a as a unit. That I mean, they're there to serve the member, they're there to serve the customer, to make their lives easier, make their lives better provide the services they need, the accessibility that they need. So I love that he kind of went into that. You know, his, his own mindset as a person was to have a servant's heart. But it's just so important that employees in his role translate that to financial institutions as a whole. So I thought that was that was really awesome. Yeah, you know, it, you're absolutely right. And that really resonated with me as well because you think about Ryan and his role, Brian and his role as a, as a CIO. I mean, that guy wears so many hats. And typically you think of the information technology role being someone who's in the background, not in the forefront, but this guy is yeah. representing the side of technology, representing the marketing and advertising of technology, yeah. representing interactions and the uh, branch experience with the members as well, which is really encompassing all those touch points 
Um, it's just such a unique perspective, but I think he's got it rooted in the right thing in that servant heart mentality. Yeah, now that dude is doing a lot of things. He's wearing yeah, a lot sure. of hats. So yeah, he, he's killing it. Uh, I also really liked what he talked about adoption specifically. So we're even talking about that servant's heart and, and trying to help the members, help help his members uh, sort of get acquainted with the new technology. You know, he talked about that, that incentive program. I think it was $5 to try to try the new tools. And I think we talk about that even in demos, we kind of talk about, you know, we, we like Andy's here in Springfield and even the idea of like, oh, just give him a $5 Andy's gift card, you know, maybe for them to, to try out a new tool. So I thought that was a, that was a really neat thing that they did. I think just from a marketing perspective, because obviously that's kind of where my mindset is, the marketing perspective and adoption is just so important that people not only know that they have new tools to try, they know there's new, new things that they can use, sort of shiny new things to use, but for the person that's maybe skittish, maybe scared to try it, giving them an incentive. And listen, it's an easy thing to try. We're going to give you a gift card to Andy's. We're going to give you a gift card wherever it might be. Just try it. And I think that, from, I mean, from our experience, everything that we hear from those sorts of incentives is the first time they use video banking, the first time they use any tools, that fear just goes away, right? When they see what it actually is, they see like how easy it is to use. So just giving them those incentives, I think is yeah, I'm really glad that Brian shared that too, because I've heard that story told in so many different capacities over the years. And um, we've got a client out of Oklahoma City who did a contest where every time that you took care of your video banking or your banking needs in video banking, you actually were entered for a $100 Amazon gift card. And yeah. I'd not heard Brian share that story to kind of incentivize the members to maybe take a take a step out of their comfort zone to do that. But I love that because it's it's a little thing. I mean, and from a budgetary standpoint, I mean, you could put those right into your marketing and advertising buckets yeah. um, and fund it through that. And you're also going to see significant benefits in the long haul from those efficiency gains that you're wanting to get. Um, but you're also getting that that enhanced, in, in my opinion, a better member experience because then it's up to the member where they're unengaged in the branch or digital online or in the pocket. Um, but getting someone to try it the first time sometimes is a difficult step. But yeah, I think he's I think he's hit a home run with that strategy. And you say you say that it's just about enhancing, right? And it even just takes me that that thing I loved loved so much um, from from our conversation. He said that we're not replacing anybody, but just enhancing. And you know, whenever people step into that using for the very first time, I think part of the thought, especially with any, any automation, is really are you gonna are you taking something away? Are you maybe replacing an employee? Like what are what are you actually doing here? And him sort of using that phrase that not replacing, just enhancing and driving home that idea that this isn't invasive, this isn't something that's gonna dramatically change how you're banking, it's not gonna dramatically change the people, the 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 staff you need to talk to, the agents that you love to talk to on a weekly or monthly basis, however long it is. I think driving that point home with that idea that it's, we're not replacing them, we're just enhancing it. We're giving them the, the customer, the member, just more and more opportunities, more accessibility places, sort of touch points where they can reach their financial institution. So I love that from him just, and that really just drives home where his heart was, you could see throughout the entire interview, you know, just talking about the member, giving them as many opportunities, as many possibilities for them to engage with the credit union as he could. Uh, so it was really just awesome. To, to hear from him on that perspective as well. So honestly, just, just think about this whole interview, everything that Brian kind of just said, Jake, what's, what's the bottom line? Yeah. You know, the, the bottom line for me is just maintaining a keen focus on the member or the customer, depending on if you're in the credit union or the banking space, 
but having a keen focus on the end user is something that you can never lose sight of. And that can be yeah. your true north from a, from a vision perspective. And what that means is identifying what those customers and members want, when they want them, where they want them, how they want them. And I, when I say them, I mean the tools, the interactions, the technology, the, the experience. But then having the confidence to get that internal buy-in, as Ryan was talking about, and the external exposure and buy-in from people trying it for the first time. But then having confidence to go all in and have everyone yep. rally around it, but not lose sight of why you're doing it. And then at the end, get that pull through, which is the asking the questions. What did, what did the member actually, how was the experience that the member had? What are they saying about it? Are they willing to tell others about it? Are they willing to use it again? What do they not like about it? Which is typically going to be the best response you can yeah, get is, yeah. that's great, it worked, but what did you not like? Because then that gives you something you can help move the needle with. So I think the bottom line for me is that keen member focus and then having each one of those segments as a, as a part of that process from implementation to execution to then pull through and adoption and then analyzing the outcomes of it. Yeah. And I think even he talked a little bit about all the sort of uh, projects that maybe go on within a financial institution, all that we don't have an unlimited budget, you know, we want to pick specific things, find specific tools that are working best for our customers or for our members. So yeah, just driving home sort of that bottom line, you know, keeping that, that servant's heart mindset as a, as a financial institution that, you know, you don't, we're not just deploying technologies to do, to, to do it, you know, just to, to maybe think that we're, better than other credit unions or better than other banks, you know, sort of the shiny new tools, you know, we're doing it to help the customer, to help the member, to provide for them, to, to sort of find those pain points and be able to, to, to answer those pain points. So, no, I, I agree that it's such an important bottom line. It's such an important thing that I think Brian really drove home. So uh, with that said, I think that's all the time that we have. Jake, do you have anything else you want to add before we, before we go? Um, I don't think so. Uh, go hop on the website, InvoSolutions.com, to the Invo yeah. Insider uh, area. we got a lot of information there about what's going on. Yeah. If you missed past episodes, go check it out there. Also, you can sign up for the next month and get a part of that Insider program, which yeah. we've got some exciting things coming on that. Yeah, I think that's it, though, uh, for me. This is Jake. Yeah, this is Ryan. And make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. It's at the very beginning of this. And like Jake said, sign up for the next Insider event. So if you want to do that, just go to InvoSolutions.com slash Insider. You can sign up for the next one, which is on March 8th, or you can go watch the previous one as well that took place in February. So with that, uh, without further ado, uh, Viva La Invo. Until next time. Viva La Invo.